BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to The Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews. Presented by IV Creative. Now... Here's your hosts, B. Cox and The Crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Vault Podcast, Classic Music Reviews. Presented by IV Creative, it's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox and... We want to give a shout out to all the fans out there stateside and worldwide and for my U.S. folks and those who celebrate the holiday. Hope that y'all had a very good Thanksgiving holiday and weekend, spent time with the friends and family, also got a chance to eat a little bit of good food, and of course, hope you enjoyed all the classic music that you listen to with your family and friends. want to remind y'all to go to vaultclassicpod.com. Once again, that's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there, check out all the past interviews, also check out our guest pages to see who's been featured on the podcast. You can also go to our merchandise store. Again, hoodies, t-shirts, sweatshirts, everything to keep you warm in this upcoming winter that's coming up, especially for those of us who are on the East Coast of the United States. They are predicting a little bit of a harsher weather than last year. So make sure you go to vaultclassicpod.com, cop your merch so you can represent, and also make sure you let us know when you cop something and give us a picture so you can show us some love. Also, make sure you go to all of our social media channels right there on the website. That's vaultclassicpod.com. As we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag MBTC or nothing but the classics. And today, we're going to take a look back at the year of 2003 and to a very important album that at that time we thought was momentous for the occasion of one of the brightest stars in the game that we thought was going to be exiting the game. And that proved not to be the case. But at that time, when the album was coming out, it kind of served as a swan song for somebody who had been such a triumphant story. From someone who made it from nothing all the way up to something to being the number one star in the game, one of the biggest stars in music. So we're going to go back to none other than November 14th, 2003, to the eighth studio album of Jay-Z, the Black Album, recorded between July and October of 2003 at a number of different studios, namely Baseline, The Hit Factory, Criteria, the Mansion Studios in 54 Sound and Ferndale, Michigan, with a runtime of 55 minutes and 12 seconds. And of course, Rockefeller Records and Def Jam. The executive producers on this, as you would expect, The Rock Trinity, Jay-Z, Damon Dash, Biggs Burke. Producers who produce beats on here, a wide variety. You had regular Jay-Z contributors such as Just Blaze, Kanye West, also the Neptunes. But then you also had contributions from the likes of Rick Rubin, Timbaland, Ninth Wonder, The Buchanans, Eminem and Louis Resto, 
as well as DJ Quick, the singles from the album. The first one, Change Clothes, released November 4th, 2003. Dirt Off Your Shoulder, released in March 2004. And 99 Problems, released in April of 2004. This album was important for a couple of different reasons. One, for those who remember during that time, this was being touted as Jay-Z's retirement album. This was going to be his album where he stepped out of the limelight as a rapper. He would no longer record as an artist, and he would then move to becoming the president of Def Jam. Now, this is momentous for a couple of different reasons. One, Jay-Z had to release an album every year since his debut in Reasonable Doubt in 1996. And with each album, his profile rose more and even more. And by the time the Blueprint came out in 2001, he was undisputably the top rapper in the game. Save for a couple of different instances during those years when a rapper came out that overshadowed his star. For the most part, Jay-Z was consistently there for so many years during that seven-year stretch. And during that time, he released eight albums. Now, also, during this time in the 2000s, Rockefeller Records became the biggest record label in the industry. And it wasn't just Jay-Z that was out. You had the likes of Beanie Siegel. You had Memphis Bleak. You also had the addition of acts such as the Diplomats, Cameron, Joel Santana, Jim Jones, their whole crew becoming a part of the Rock Nation. Also, you had Kanye West, who was emerging during this time. And by the beginning of the following year, in 2004, would release his debut album, The College Dropout, on Rockefeller Records. Well, as we would learn later, this was sort of the beginning of the end of the rock partnership between that rock trinity of Jay-Z, Damon Dash, and Biggs Burke. During this time period, there was a lot of contention between Damon Dash and Jay-Z. If you've ever seen the Choke No Joke documentary about the death of a dynasty for the end of the Rockefeller days, this was during this period when Damon Dash thought that there were meetings being had at Def Jam's records about Jay-Z's album, when none of his folks at Rockefeller were even called and he wanted to know who called the meetings. And really what was happening is that Jay-Z was beginning his own negotiations to become president of Def Jam and wanted no longer to do business with Damon Dash at that time. It led to a very acrimonious breakup and the three basically parted ways after that time and the Rockefeller property was basically left to Jay-Z to run for himself. Damon Dash and Jay-Z since then have been on bad terms. They have been numerous different back and forth details and stories, specifically from Damon Dash himself, who was willing to tell the story to anybody who would listen. But during this time, we didn't know that this was going to be the beginning of the end of what the Rockefeller would be that we saw from 1998 up until 2004. That was a powerhouse in the hip hop industry, that there would be so many factions and people split along lines as far as who they were following. Now, there were some that were strictly in the camp of Dame, and a lot who were in strictly in the camp of Jay. And that led to a couple of different years, some things coming out and, and records being put out and stories being put out about those who backed whoever they were in the corner of. But nonetheless, because this was Jay-Z's retirement album, so to speak, there was a lot of intrigue around this album because Jay-Z was going to be no longer rapping. He had had a career where he had established himself as the best rapper in the game, commercially most successful rapper in the game. Now he's going to no longer be doing it. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal back then. So in anticipation of that, we kind of figured that we were going to get some sort of swung song farewell that Jay-Z was no longer going to be performing. And it led up to a lot of things when it came to marketing that is being marketed as Jay-Z's last album. It was sort of a farewell. Then to top it off, after the album came out, there was going to be a farewell concert done at Madison Square Garden that would lead to the movie and filming of that concert 
for the Fade to Black movie, which came out not too long afterwards, which the concert was an epic concert. Anybody who was there at Madison Square Garden will tell you how an epic experience it was because it really did seem like a farewell at that time. And for a rapper as great as Jay-Z to be retiring that soon after dominating the game for the better part of that seven-year stretch, it was unprecedented. And now he was leaving. But now we'll go ahead and get into it. First Thoughts and Reflections. So my first thoughts on the Black Album, during this time I was in college at Morgan State University, and from the minute I stepped on campus in my freshman year, Jay-Z dominated the charts. I mean, even with the Rock La Familia album that came out that fall when I started as a freshman, and hearing that, just give it to me, give me your love with Pharrell, and then hearing the songs like This Can't Be Life, and then Change the Game, and then all the different Rockefeller projects that followed afterwards the rock definitely ran things during that time i mean you had 50 cents you had down south music which started to emerge near the end of my college time but when it came to the music and the charts it was rockefeller and jay-z who were really running things on the popular music side of it it made for a lot of good memories and a lot of good partying i mean from that you had the blueprint then the blueprint two but then also you had all the other rockefeller projects that fell in between those albums and this was being marketed as his farewell album. Now, a lot of the anticipation between all of us who were out there on a college campus is trying to figure out what's this album going to sound like. And for those of us who listened to The Blueprint too, some of us were a little disappointed in some of the quality because we were expecting something on the level of the previous Blueprint, the original Blueprint. And when we heard it, there were some fire tracks on there. And then there were some tracks that were a bit of a mixed bag and some of them that we didn't like at all. So we were hoping that we were going to get something more along the lines of the Blueprint rather than of the Blueprint 2. And then when we heard that Jay-Z was retiring, a big portion of it was one, well, what's he going to do afterwards? Two, is he really going to stay retired? And three, after he leaves, who then takes up the mantle for Jay-Z as the king of the throne? on top of the rap game. That was the three conversations we were mainly having between each other in anticipation of this album. First single drops, change clothes. It's a mature sound, right? What you're starting to hear from Jay-Z and what we all heard was a mature sound. You heard sort of this reflection of him. This was, I want to say really that when the term for me, grown and sexy started to emerge into popular cultural lexicon. Like <laughs> the fact that this song was all about, you know, outfits and change not only changing clothes but then changing demeanors and everything else it kind of felt like jay was sort of in this mentality of somebody would be when you're getting ready to step away from the game as a seasoned veteran looking back at your work and looking back at things that you've elevated to a certain level and it's like you've been there you've done that and now you're reaping the benefits of all your rewards and the fruits of your labor and you're just calmly sitting back and enjoying it you know it felt sort of like the feel of him sitting back with a glass of cognac with a cigar in Miami, overlooking the ocean and easy times, right? That's what the feeling we got from that. Then we got a crazy, crazy single with Dirt Off Your Shoulder when it came off later on that year that gave us a feeling like Hove still had it and he was still hungry. Then with 99 Problems, it was just a crazy track produced by Rick Rubin, that rap rock sort of collaboration that they had and the lyrics that he had in that just kind of let us know that he was still hungry as well. When the album comes out and drops right after Change Clothes comes out, everybody goes out and goes get the album. And as with any other rap album with Jay-Z that came out during that time when I was on campus, it became the soundtrack for at least a month around campus consistently. And I'm talking about the normal sounds that you would hear. People with their dorm rooms open. In December, mind you. 
<laughs> as we're approaching the end of the semester in fall of 03, music coming out of the windows and dorms in the high rises and also in the apartments where the upperclassmen stayed behind Blount Towers and Rawlings. And cars driving around campus with the windows down, you could hear it. And even if the windows weren't down, by the time you listened to the album a couple of times, you knew by the beats and the bass lines what you were listening to. It was almost, I would say, akin to what happened when The Blueprint came out and you heard those songs from that album being blared across campus everywhere that you went. And by the time that it hit the clubs, oh, you were hearing Dirt Off Your Shoulder and 99 Problems. And of course, songs like PSA, Public Service Announcement which became a popular, popular song when that album was released. And when it came out, I listened to it, and I was just like, you know, damn, this really might be it for him. Because you got an idea that when you listen to the album, of course, the bars were incredible, right? The production on this, I mean, crazy. And the wide variety of production that you got from this, from all the different producers that were featured on this album, Nice Wonder, Kanye West, Just Blaze, Neptunes, Rick Rubin, Timbaland, Eminem, the Buchanan's, it gave a rich sound. And not only was it a rich sound, it was a mature sound. And his lyrics had matured. You really got the perspective of Jay-Z that this was going to be someone who was going to legitimately retired that had felt that he had accomplished everything that he could and had done everything there could be to do in this rap game. And now it was time for a new hustle, as he liked to say. So when you hear songs like Change Clothes and you heard Moment of Clarity and him really being candid, talking about the relationship between him and his pops and how he felt when his father passed away and then finally giving himself closure by forgiving his father for leaving his mother and for all the things that he held against his father for so many different years. Hearing songs like December 4th and being reflective in his rhymes, it gives off the idea of somebody who's going to retire. Someone also that has been happy where they are. It reminds me of that grandfather that has lived a full life and has seen all of his kids and his kids have kids and see his grandchildren there, have the whole family together and be very happy and content with the life that they've lived. And I felt that from Jay-Z. But you also heard hunger. You also heard that he was willing to put himself out there and also willing to show everybody, like, listen, I'm retiring at the top of my game. Like Ted Williams in his last at bat, he was willing to go out, hitting a home run at his very last attempt. And that's what you heard in it. I mean, listening to it, it kind of gave you the feeling of, Yes, you know, we're happy that Jay-Z's retiring on his terms, but for those of us who love the game and those of us who love Jay-Z, it was kind of like, man, this guy can still go for a few years, right? So it gave us all of the questions like, dude, why are you really retiring? Like, you still have it. You're still better than 99% of the rappers out there. Why are you giving it up? And for those of us, we really couldn't understand. And you really couldn't understand unless you were in the mind of Sean Carter, unless you were inside the mind of a hustler. And the things it is that he wanted to accomplish at that time. Now, of course, we know that this was not his last album. But at that time, it felt like really a goodbye to one of the greatest in the game. And that was really one of the biggest intrigues as far as the marketing of it, because it helped to drive the intrigue of this album so much more. And when we saw that, then also fade to black afterwards, it really kind of felt like a goodbye. But if this was going to be it, I mean, amazing work. You talk about the tracks on there. I mean, we talk about some of the songs that Jay-Z goes on tour for. And I remember seeing him back on tour right around the time when Magna Carta, Holy Grail came out. And some of the songs on here are what we call like stadium songs, like the big performance songs that you perform in front of crowds of 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people. And the reaction that you get of it when the music comes up and the crowd goes up and the reaction goes up, that you get those type of reactions. The what more can I say, the encores, 
the dirt off your shoulders, the 99 problems, the public service announcements. <laughs> I mean, you get those type of stadium songs. Then they get also the mixture of tracks like December 4th and Moments of Clarity and also Allure and my first song that gives you that reflection, that candid feeling. I mean, he really did go in his bag on this album. And I felt more so than many of the other albums that have come out with him, you felt like the emotion in this album because I felt like to him, he felt like he needed to get some things off his chest and he needed to be able to portray it in a way to let folks know like, hey, this is me giving you a piece of me before I fade to black and exit stage right. And for those of us who love the complex albums like that with production and concepts and songs, and bars all being weaved together to work seamlessly. Gotta love it. There's nothing more that you could say about it. It was just, it was just great. And by the time the spring rolled around in 2004, folks, I want to say didn't really didn't forget about it, but I think we saw that Jay-Z was starting to then adapt into his next role as that executive, but we knew that he wouldn't stay in that role for very much longer. Highlights and lowlights. So <laughs> lots of highlights on here for me for the Black Album. I mean, just starting from the beginning, with the interlude and then also December 4th, which gives you this idea that you're getting ready for an epic journey of closing this chapter out for Jay-Z and Sean Carter, the man, Jay-Z, the MC. And with December 4th and having his mom featured on there, Gloria Carter, and him talking about his life kind of gives you this picture and painting this picture of what his life is and what he hopes it will be and what it will look like when he is 70, 80 years old, looking back, hopefully he lived that long to see what it is. I mean, very reflective. You get into songs like What More Can I Say in Encore. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about somebody talking their shit on both of their songs. Jay, bar-wise, is talking his shit on What More Can I Say in Encore. And really, exceptional tracks produced by the Buchanings and Kanye West, respectively. Encore, to me, and I've heard some people say that they don't like Encore, that it's not one of their favorite songs on the Black Album. Encore, to me, during that bridge part where... You're getting that, he's killing y'all jive turkeys. Well, y'all want a chicken man to come back. I need y'all to help me bring him back to the stage. That hova, hova, hova. I mean, to me, that was almost like gospel-like. <laughs> the feeling that when, that when that track builds up to that last Jay-Z verse before the song ends, that is the stadium song right there, Encore, without a doubt. Dirt off your shoulders, man. Seeing that video with Timbaland making that beat and then seeing Jay react to it in real time. Then also have him go through bars right there on the spot. You knew that was going to be an epic song. I mean, this is to me craziness. One of Jay-Z's enduring songs and really, really fun song from Timbaland. Really 99 problems with Rick Rubin is a phenomenon, right? Don't you talk about the rap rock collaboration. Those guitars on there are just absolutely epic. And not only that, but it gave Jay a song title and a chorus that people have used over and over again since then. 99 problems, but a ain't one. <laughs> he was right. He had all the problems in the world, but his lady was not one. She definitely wasn't. And we see now, years from now, what kind of empire they've built together with each other. <laughs> Public service announcement is, oh, man, every time I hear this and I just I get so hyped. That intro would allow me to reintroduce myself as if we needed any reintroducing to him. Right. But really lace the bars on here. The sample on here, the production from Just Plays. Like I always say, people said that Kanye and Jay-Z were a great fit together. But Just Plays and Jay-Z were, were magic. And it's just another idea of that magic coming to life. Lucifer, <laughs> reggae sample, bruh. That reggae sample from Chase the Devil with Max Romeo. Oh, God. 
like, wow. I mean, ridiculous, right? And for me being a reggae head and hearing that and hearing Jay-Z spit over that with that track produced by Kanye West was crazy. Getting into songs like Allure and Change Clothes produced both by the Neptunes, you get that feeling, of course. These are like mature songs, right? These songs that are mature, reflective, but then also kind of candid as well. Allure was one of the standout tracks on here and... I love the fact of what I love what Pharrell did on this out on this joint and what the Neptunes did beat wise on here was just crazy. Having my first song close out the album and having that clip from Biggie's interview kind of bring things full circle, right? Because you have Jay-Z from Brooklyn, Biggie from Brooklyn. The two of them are boys. They definitely were, I would say peers, but then also competitors in the same sense, but they have respect for each other, for each other's skills because game recognizes game and to see how Jay-Z paid homage to Big in this, and people will say that he bites Biggie's rhymes and, you know, the whole ether thing. But having him tie this back to Biggie to bring this full circle with this being the last track on what was supposed to be his last album because he owed a lot to Big. I mean, Big helped, you know, pretty much to help get him onto the scene. Big being on A Reasonable Doubt. Big sort of paving the way for Jay-Z to step into a role that he was vacated after he was murdered. And Jay-Z taking that and running with it was sort of like my way of saying when he took from what Biggie said off of treat everything like it's your first song that you've ever done, the first album you've ever done, like you're an intern, like you're hungry. And it was sort of Jay's way of letting us know, like, I'm gone, but I'm still going to give you my all on this. Like it was my first album and my first song. A perfect way to wrap the album up. But then also getting something like Threat from Ninth Wonder, which was really helped to put him into public consciousness, was great track i mean that beat is absolutely ridiculous and getting that there from knife wonder helped to put him on the map and was one of the great songs on here if i do have to say anything about a low light i do have to say that the low light on here for me is surprise surprise justify my thug produced by dj quick who dj quick's one of my favorite producers of all time to me he has a great discography a great production catalog but this was not one of his best beats, and I did not feel as though Jay-Z was at his best on this track. And it's so, so disappointing because you almost have a perfect album here. I mean, <laughs> a flawless album. To me, I think without Justify My Thug. And again, I mean, some people may have their opinions on it, but to me, I'm not really a big fan of it. That, to me, is the only low light of the album. Overall, though, production-wise, is crazy on here. The nice mix of production, of the beats, up-tempo and lively and candid and smooth and also the bars on here, a nice mix of those as well. But Jay-Z showing us he can go in his bag for many different flows and for many different styles and can give it to us at the top of his game right when he's just getting ready to leave. So lots of highlights and not many lowlights, just that one lowlight of Justify My Thug. Notable quotables. So my notable quotable actually comes from the third verse of What More Can I Say? And this is an extra long verse, but I had to take the second half of this verse as my notable quotable because it just sucked. Like I said, he was talking his shit on this song, and I just love it because to me, I felt like he addressed a couple of people, individuals in the rap game. One person from Queens, actually a couple of rappers from Queens in particular, talking about what they say about him and the words and things that have been said. He'd been embroiled in a few different feuds during his career. And he was just kind of letting them know, like, I've persevered despite all of this shit. And I felt like he was really just letting folks know, like, hey, I mean, what else can y'all say about me? Honestly, you can't say anything else about me. So this is the second half of the second verse. He says, young, hover the God, nigga, blasphemy. I'm at the Trump International, ask for me. I ain't never scared. I'm everywhere. You ain't never there. And nigga, why would I ever care? 
pound for pound, I'm the best to ever come around here. Exclude to nobody. Look what I embody. The soul of a hustler. I really ran the street. A CEO's mind. The mark on the plan was me. And no, I ain't get shot up a whole bunch of times or make shit up in a whole bunch of lines. And I ain't animated like, say, I bust the rhymes. But the real shit you get when you bust down my lines. Add that, plus the fact I went plat a bunch of times. Times that by my influence on pop culture. I'm supposed to be number one on everybody's list. We'll see what happens when I no longer exist. Fuck this. What more can I say? I mean, a couple of different highlights in there. For him to say, a CEO's mind, that marketing plan was me. He had the mind of a CEO. His marketing plan was himself. That was it. He didn't need anything else, right? Talked about, and no, I ain't get shot up a whole bunch of times. You know what he's talking about there. As far as he talks about marketing plans and someone getting shot up a whole bunch of times, you go ahead and draw the inference as far as what he was talking about. Talks about he is an animated me. He's not animated like the way the Buster Rhyme Styles was. But he talks about when you actually break down his lines, then you add that to the fact that he went platinum a whole bunch of times. A lot. Sold a lot of records once you bust down my lines and add that to the fact that I went platinum a bunch of times. Times that by his influence on pop culture. I mean, yeah, it's just you talk about add all this shit up. And then say, I'm supposed to be number one on everybody's list and see what the fuck happens after I'm no longer here. I mean, God, <laughs> when I heard this in real time, I think I had to rewind that second half of that verse again to be like, damn, dog, this really do. He really went in. He really went in on this shit. And so that to me is a favorite on this album. Lots of great quotables on here, but that to me is probably my favorite. Final verdict. So my final verdict, obviously, I feel when it comes to the Black Album, this, to me, is one of Jay-Z's three surefire classics, the other being Reasonable Doubt and Blueprint. And I love this album, and I love the feeling that it gave because, you know, we thought that this was it for him. And we thought if this is going to be it, this is a damn good way to go out. Classic for me. I think it endures the songs that he has on this. As long as he decides he wants to continue to perform, he's got a ton of strengths he can perform on this album. It's an album that a lot of us will remember that stays with us because of the feeling that we had of it during the time. And at that time, we thought that that was going to be it for him. So we thought that, hey, our favorite rapper is going to be retiring and this is it for him. So he's going to fade to black and no more Jay-Z. But this is an epic album. It's one that a lot of folks look at the way how it changed the game in regards to its buildup and its marketing for this farewell for Jay-Z and the fade to black, the movie. And at that point in time, hadn't really been done before and we thought that would be it but we were all mistaken because not even three years later jay-z returned with his comeback album kingdom come and what has happened with jay-z's album since then he's released a bunch of projects collaborative albums he's had some albums that were good some that were almost classic worthy and some that weren't so good <laughs> and so You've had a mixed bag from Jay-Z since then. I mean, the second half of his catalog has not added up to the first half of his catalog in my estimation. But if he would have ended with the Black Album 20 years later, if we looked at this and said, yeah, Jay-Z's legacy is secure in the game. There's nothing more that we can say about it, like the song title says. And that would have been it. But it wasn't it. And what it has done, though, during this time is that Jay-Z did get this business sense down. And while he didn't stay president of Def Jam for so long, it did allow him to create so many business ventures that have led him to becoming now one of the few billionaires in uh, the hip-hop industry. Matter of fact, I would say he's probably one of a few, one of two or three that are present out there, billionaires. And he truly is a business, as he says. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. <laughs> Let me handle my business damn. And he truly is a businessman now. And when he decides to pick up the mic and really try, he can still get it done. 
And, you know, that shows his staying power. But for us, after the Black album, the problem was the consistency with the albums, and we didn't get too much of that. But if he decided to leave, this would have been it, and we would have been happy with it. But Jay-Z's The Black Album, make sure y'all go out there, check it out. Hit us up on social media. Let us know your thoughts. What are your memories from The Black Album? What are some of your favorite tracks? And would you have been satisfied if this was actually his last album and this would have been it for him? Hit us up on social media. Let us know your comments. We love to keep the conversation going. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.